Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Coming up on DTNS, Australian intelligence accidentally scoops up data from a COVID tracing app. The New York Times and Washington Post show different paths forward for newspapers online. And Twitter wants you to judge its new checkmark verification process. This is the Daily Tech News for Tuesday, November 24th, 2020 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Redwood, I'm Sarah Lane. And I'm Roger Chang, the show's producer. Joining us is tech journalist Peter Wells. Welcome back to the show, Pete. Oh, thank you, Thomas. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, it's a, it's a pleasure uh, to have you back. We were just uh, chatting uh, about all kinds of things, uh, including glasses, both smart and otherwise. Uh, if you'd like that wider conversation, get our expanded show, Good Day Internet. Become a member at patreon.com slash DTNS. Let's start with a few tech things you should know. A California grand jury has indicted Apple's head of global security, Thomas Moyer, on charges that he tried to bribe Santa Clara County officials with 200 iPads in exchange for four concealed firearms licenses, known as CCW, for Apple employees. The charges followed a two-year investigation. The iPads were reportedly never delivered because Moyer and Santa Clara's undersheriff, Rick Sung, learned in 2019 that the district attorney was executing a search warrant for the sheriff department's CCW records. I mean, they asked him for the bribe. He didn't have to give it, though. Sony Interactive Entertainment CEO Jim Ryan confirmed that the PlayStation 5 is completely sold out during an interview with Russian news agency TASS. He said the supply shortage likely would have happened without COVID-19, but that launching in the middle of a pandemic was a challenge he, quote, wouldn't recommend. Ryan says due to travel and other restrictions, quote, we had to do all the manufacturing preparation by camera remotely. I mean, just imagine that for a precision device like the PlayStation 5. Twitter will now warn users who try to like a post that has been labeled as potentially misleading. Twitter said warnings on, quote, tweets of labeled posts decreased sharing by 29%. So obviously the company thinks it's working. Twitter has said the warnings on, quote, tweets would be in place until at least the end of the election week in the U.S., but they remain in place today. Oh, they're never going away. Uh, Korean publication Aju News is reporting the Galaxy Z Fold 3 will be the new Samsung It phone in 2021. And pour a little out, folks, because they're saying the sources are telling them Samsung will discontinue its Galaxy Note product line. 
Samsung hasn't commented, but according to analytics firm CounterPoint Research, the Galaxy Note 20 and Galaxy Note 20 Ultra were only fourth and eighth in the top 10 smartphone sales for the first week of September behind the iPhone 11 line last year. Retailer Joom's JoomPay spinoff has received a Luxembourg Electronic Money Institution license to operate in Europe. JoomPay will let Europeans send and receive money instantly for free. JoomPay will also let you send money to any email address or phone number, whether or not the recipient uses JoomPay or not, and connect to any existing debit, credit card, or bank account. JoomPay has opened a waitlist for its beta app on Android and iOS and will compete with TransferWire, PaySend, and PayPal, among others. All right, let's talk a little bit about drones and robots living together. Let's do it. Israel's Percepto makes unmanned aerial vehicles for remote work inspection and monitoring. Basically, they fly over empty work sites to collect data and look for issues. It's one of the few drone companies that makes the whole stack of software and hardware, including computer vision, navigation, analytics. It develops most of its own hardware, but it does acquire chips from NVIDIA. But Percepto is partnering up with a robot. And you might have seen it around the internet, if not in person. Percepto's Sparrow drones will integrate with Boston Dynamics Spot robots. Spot is that famous four-legged robot that you might see frightening people on in YouTube videos and or maybe you, <laughs> depending on where you live. In the real world, it can handle rugged terrain and recover from falls and stumbles. But for some reason, it freaks people out. The partnership will see spot robots handle high-resolution imaging and thermal vision on the ground to see things like the, see, see things that the Sparrow drones can't see. Spot is expected to find things like hot spots on machines or electrical conductors, water and steam links around plants, and equipment with degraded performance. Yeah, so these are usually not abandoned work sites, but but work sites that need to be left unoccupied uh, for certain periods of time. Uh, so this is both security, but but also just maintenance. Uh, you know, if a leak springs and there's no one around to see it, you, you you benefit from one of these drones spotting it, so you can send somebody out there to fix it, uh, or any of these other things that you mentioned. Having spot involved is interesting because it can see some things on the ground that a drone can't. And potentially, although this isn't part of the immediate plans, you could maybe fix it up to, to do some minor maintenance itself. Uh, you know, maybe plug a plug a leak or, or turn off a lever or, or something like that. So uh, I think this is interesting, especially because Percepto has gotten within the, the industrial IoT space uh, a lot of credit for the Apple model where they, they have the whole stack, but it shows that they're still willing to partner outside of their expertise. Their expertise is in the air and they're partnering with Boston Dynamics on the ground. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the the idea that something could happen at a plant that isn't heavily manned by humans, and mm. at least you know, even if the humans have to eventually come in and you know fix whatever's broken, to just get more information about what are we dealing with here? You know, is there hazardous materials? You know, what you know, what what are we getting ourselves into? It it makes a ton of sense, uh, and I don't know why people don't like the spot robots. I think they're really cute. <laughs> Uh, it's the uncanny valley thing. It's the way that they move just freaks people out because they, you know, you perceive that they're not real, 
that they, right. they move so much like a, a, an organic being. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that uh, this is great timing as well because there are so many uh, construction um, uh, projects that have been put off due to our current uh, circumstances. And so yeah, there, there's going to be there's going to be a great need for this. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and 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 I think. There's obviously the the reaction of I I fear this taking my job. I fear uh, robots and drones teaming up together uh, to be too smart. But this is the future, and and in my perspective, what this does is it makes it more efficient to run these complex situations, uh, whether they're construction sites or or whether they're industrial uh, installations, uh, which leaves more money to apply to safety it leaves more money to apply to customer service and uh, the cynics uh, will say but they won't do that they'll cash it out and in some companies cases you may be right but the smart companies will use that money to improve their business because in the long run that's what's going to make those companies better so overall i think this is uh, this is an interesting development in an, in an ongoing uh, slow and maybe less covered revolution that's happening been a lot of concern over the future of newspapers, too, speaking of a slow, concerning uh, disruption, uh, including efforts in Australia and Europe that would force Google and Facebook to participate in plans to pay news outlets for the privilege of linking to their stories. But Axios's sources show two outlets in the U.S., the New York Times and the Washington Post, have been faring well of late. Both outlets have tripled their digital subscribers since 2016, 3 million for the Post and 6 million for the Times. Axios says the Post's growth is credited to its back-end technology. The Post has developed its own advertising and publishing software. That itself brings in revenue because they can license that out to other companies. Uh, makes for a more user-friendly online experience because they, they are working on that interface. And it's developing a single sign-on feature for the more than 100 sites that use its ad software. A lot of local news sites among that. A post-engineering team is focused on paywall and metering applications, making them work better, optimizing them. That boosts signups, which it also licenses out. It also licenses out that technology. Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post, and it shows a lot of like build a platform for your own use and then make money off of it by letting other people use it. Now, the New York Times, on the other hand, is focused on brand awareness, hiring recognizable names with big followings like Kara Swisher. There's been a growth in opinion based content because that grabs eyeballs and brings people in. It's also focusing on daily habits like cooking and crossword apps. Axios notes that research shows flashy things like hot talent or discount to get people in the door and functionality and breadth of content keep people so both these companies are doing parts of that and that explains their success the times is going for buzzy talent and an emphasis on editorial while the post seems focused on platform engineering and optimization it's almost as if one is owned by an engineer and the other is owned by a newspaper family which is in (laughs) fact the case uh Peter, you you work in this industry. You're very close to the idea of like, hey, can newspapers survive? What do you make of this? Um, yeah, I, I think Exios's, uh, uh, I don't know, idea here is, first of all, I think that they're right, that both companies are doing an, an amazing job and doing much better um, than a lot of other newspaper companies, including <clears throat> my own, uh, in terms of understanding what digital means and, and, and how to bring in people, you know, uh, the New York Times has focused so heavily on uh, podcasting, for instance, uh, which is something that uh, they, they were one of the first newspapers to really stake a claim in the podcasting space. Uh, and I also think, though, that 
you know, I am, I'm actually a subscriber to both the New York Times and the Washington Post, even though I live in Australia, because the last couple of years, your politics has been quite interesting, Tom. So it's been something that I've wanted to pay attention to. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, that that probably lends to some of the numbers that we're seeing. Not that you couldn't read it on paper, but, you know, in the digital world we're in, when there's a lot of news, that's, you know, people say, all right, you know, the subscriptions, it might be worth my, my money. Yeah, absolutely. I, but I yeah, I'm sorry to note because not every newspaper outlet has benefited. So, you, you know, yes, you get that surge, but how do you how do you make it work for you, essentially? Yeah. And I feel that, you know, it, with those two papers specifically, it was so many stories uh, I was reading that, you know, they sourced the original story from the the Washington Post and the New York Times. So at a certain point, uh, it became, you know, it, it, it felt like, well, I may as well support the 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 places that are actually breaking the stories rather than just the people who are re-reporting the stories. But uh, yeah, I, I think this shows, I, I really hope that some of the uh, the papers around the world, especially in our market, we, we seem to be very slow uh, at adopting new technology. And I, I would really love that uh, some of my bosses would uh, um, have a look at, at the strategies uh, of both companies because it, yeah, it really shows that newspapers don't need to be a thing of the past. Yeah, and 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 I think it will also be interesting to see what effects these different approaches have. Uh, I don't subscribe to either one of these. I subscribe to the Wall Street Journal, uh, but I do that because I find the content valuable, right? So I kind of like the New York Times approach here of being content, but to get people in the door, you have to have buzzy content, which pushes you towards opinion, which may push your outlet uh, to kind of skew in a certain direction because that's what brings in the money. Whereas the Washington Post is taking a more engineering approach, which is going to be a little more editorially independent, but it also might run out of steam if there's not this continued surge of interest, right? If It's one thing to build a, a great uh, mill on the river that takes advantage of the flow, but if the river dries up, doesn't matter how good your mill is. So uh, I think those are both interesting. I think it'll be interesting to watch both these approaches and see, see how they fare now. Yeah, I, and I know that for... For us that we produce the show every day, there's probably more <laughs> tabs open from different news outlets than perhaps the average person. But you also have you have all of the all of the you know the, the big names in the, the newspaper industry now trying to push towards digital. They know they can't like pay well you completely. Some do. But mostly it's like, okay, you have like a few articles per month and then you can get around that by opening a new browser or using a VPN. And they know that too. And I just wonder how many folks are like, I don't need to pay. I mean, some people are paying, but how I'm, many people I'm, well, are just that, not that, paying? That's always been the question. How many people are paying? And it looks like quite a few because these are subscribers. These are people paying. Yeah. Well, Microsoft's Phil Spencer told The Verge that an Xbox app is likely to appear on smart TVs sometime in the next 12 months. Spencer previously told Strategery that he thought you might see Project Cloud streaming sticks and added at the time, quote, you could imagine us even having something that we just included in the Game Pass subscription that gave you an ability to stream xCloud games to your television and bind the controller. That could be easy with a smart TV app connected to a Bluetooth controller, perhaps. Microsoft also announced a partnership with Samsung in February that would certainly include phones, but might also include TVs. 
We're seeing a trend here. He also told The Verge he has no plans to abandon consoles, no plans to abandon hardware, advocating, quote, a hybrid environment of the cloud and the and the local compute compatibility. The Verge speculates this could mean being able to try a game in the cloud on an Xbox console, say, before deciding to buy and download it. I love this. Uh, I also love how Phil Spencer just goes around like leaking things to <laughs> interviews. It's, it's, it's quite entertaining to watch. Uh, but I love this idea of saying like, look, we're not going to stop making Xboxes anytime soon because, of course, he's not. He can't say that. He would he would anger uh, the Xbox loyalists. Everyone, there, right? Yeah. But he's also saying we could also make it so all you need to do is buy a controller and then launch an app on your smart TV and start playing Xbox games through Project X Cloud. And and while that may not be good enough for everyone, the fact that you can still buy a console if it's not good enough, I think is I think it means they're like, yeah, we're taking that Azure. Uh, led approach that Microsoft said, which is we'll put Microsoft Office apps on Android and iOS because what we want is people to use our cloud service. Here, Phil Spencer's saying we don't care what device they're using as long as they're using the Xbox to play some games. Yeah, you you stole my idea completely there, Tom. It, it feels exactly like the DNA of, of modern Microsoft, that um, you don't necessarily need our hardware. Uh, we, we just want you to play uh, wherever you wherever you are. We will bring the games to you. But I can also see this being you know, really handy in a, in a family setting where uh, you might have the one great TV that the Xbox is normally plugged into, but then you've got the, the other TV uh, for the kids, and if they want to play a game, they can just go in and, and with a controller jump on a on a TV and still get that experience of playing on the TV, but, uh, yeah, they, they don't need a second Xbox in their house. And and all, everything that, uh, you know, just before this, this new console era started, I was so... Uh, I, I so thought that uh, the PlayStation 5 would dominate and uh, the Xbox had no nothing to compete with. But all of these great little ideas that they're coming up with, you know, the, the uh, I really think that they've shown that uh, software is so much part of the game and uh, that they're leading in a lot of ways in, in software and integration and play anywhere and apps. And it's just fascinating to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, playing to the Microsoft advantage, uh, playing to the internal expertise. And, and as you say, software is the game. The game is, is software, uh, literally in this case. Thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit. You can submit stories and vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then 
Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. A report published Monday by the Australian government's Inspector General for the Intelligence Community. Uh, that's an oversight agency of the government's uh, intelligence agencies, their spy and eavesdropping agencies. That oversight agency says it's discovered that some intelligence agencies were, quote, incidentally collecting data from Australia's COVID-safe contact tracing app during the first six months after its launch. The collection happened in the course of lawful collection of other data that was allowed to be collected under the Privacy Act. Now, that collection is considered incidental because it wasn't possible to collect the data they were allowed to collect by warrant without inadvertently collecting the COVID safe data somehow. The watchdog group said that there was no evidence that any agency decrypted, accessed, or used any COVID app data. The report said the agencies were taking active steps to ensure compliance with the law and prevent future collection, and that collected data would be deleted as soon as practicable. Now, the COVID-safe app uses Bluetooth to log proximity, not location data, so this wasn't going to have your GPS coordinates in it. Uh, But the app did require a user to upload some personal info, like name, age, postal code, and phone number. Uh, This is the oversight working because they caught it, and they're looking into it, but Peter... You're someone in Australia that this directly affects. How does this make you feel? Um, well, I, I think that it's great that the uh, the headlines here have been uh, as as sensible as they are because you know you could easily have made this uh, uh, COVID safe is is lying about the the privacy that they they promised us all because I mean that was one of the big things when COVID safe was launched. Um, there there was a lot of uh, of kind of pushback. By the community, and because of that, they really took a slow launch and made sure that they had all of their privacy uh, concerns addressed by by people like Troy Hunt. Even they they got in like experts outside uh, to look over the code and say, uh, "Would you trust this on your phone?" And and the majority of people said, "Yes." Look, they're they're doing everything they can possible. So what it sounds like, you know, we don't have the full picture here but what it sounds like is that yeah there, there, there was a warrant already in place on someone that and and because of that they were tracking everything that that phone was doing and in in the case of that they, they happened to pick up some of this data it, it sounds like because they're, they're saying it only happened in the first six months um I, I don't know the timing there, whether that means that they realized that they were doing that and now they're no longer doing that the thing is, COVID Safe. No one I know is still using COVID Safe, unfortunately, because uh, the Australian government chose not to use the Google Apple framework, and uh, iPhones um, basically don't work with COVID Safe. Uh, and and there's a market share of about sixty percent of iPhone in this country, and so that became co- common knowledge pretty early on that this this app doesn't really work, and and so unfortunately people don't use it anymore. So um, I, I mean, I think. I, 
a contact tracing app that worked would be fantastic uh, in our current situation, but unfortunately that's not the case. Either way, I think that this is, like you said, it's 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 the system working as it should. It's it's picking up the issue and and hopefully addressing it. Yeah, I mean, my guess is probably they were monitoring someone with a warrant for six months, and then the warrant ended, and then the oversight committee found this, and that just a guess though. Don't really know. Mm. Well, Twitter announced it's relaunching its verification process with new guidelines. The new system will roll out in early 2021, but the company is asking its users for feedback on a draft of those guidelines. The proposal would make government accounts, companies, brands, nonprofits, news media accounts, entertainment accounts, sports activists, organizers, and other influential individuals eligible for verification. The blue check mark, as it's known. Although it's not always blue, depending on how you're uh, accessing Twitter. Most of these accounts are verified by being confirmed on the site of a verified organization like a company or a sports team website. Different kinds of media coverage can also make an account eligible. The criteria for anyone else, which would put you in the category of activist, organizer, and other influential individual, is as follows. Consistent and rule-abiding use of Twitter for six months prior to applying for verification and meeting one requirement for activity and one for notability. Activity requirements involve creating a popular hashtag or being in the top percentile of active accounts. I can hear you chuckling, Pete. Notability can be from Google Trends, a Wikipedia page, news coverage, or reference from an advocacy organization. Verification can be removed if a user changes their display name or bio to mislead people about their identity or for repeat violation of Twitter's terms of service. You can take a survey uh, for the policy by December, uh, by December 8th if you're really interested in being verified if you haven't been already or tweet your thoughts with the hashtag hashtag verification feedback after receiving and considering feedback twitter will finalize the policy on december 17th i am now chuckling myself twitter also says it plans to offer more ways to identify yourself such as new account types and labels and the I reason mean, that i'm ch- chuckling is not because they're not I, cl- clearly the company is taking this seriously after sort of just abandoning the entire process for some time but I just don't know who cares that much. Activists, apparently. Does does it strike anyone that this seems so tailored towards activists? Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, yeah, if if I was like, hey, listen, this is, you know, this is my whole thing. Twitter's my platform. I want people to take me seriously. And that verification is going to help me be taken more seriously than I would be otherwise. Sure. You'd be like, hey, Twitter wake up, you know, help, help me out here. I'm, I'm a legitimate person, or I at least think I am. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I <laughs> kind of forgot about it quite honestly. Yeah. Look, I, I think this is almost embarrassing. That's why I was kind of giggling away. Um, it, it, it seems to be missing the, the issue here of, of what verification should be on Twitter, which is, I would love to just see open up verification for everyone. Just you know, make it so that uh, if you've given, you know, say a, a legitimate phone number, then you are verified as a user rather than a bot or anything like that. I think the, the idea of having this kind of caste system where some people get the blue ticks because they're more important. I'll tell you how I got my blue tick. And by the way, my friends 
uh, all call me a blue tick tosser for, for having it. Um, <laughs> they, they always think it's hilarious. Uh, but the reason I got my blue tick was I showed up to a Twitter launch one day in Sydney and they just gave them out to everyone who was in the room. Mm-hmm. And and I guess technically that meant we were important if we were in the room, but we weren't really. There were some losers in that room, including myself. And, <laughs> you know, it, the, the whole system is just so silly i i just yeah i i think they've backed backed themselves into a corner somehow uh by by letting the check mark become a status symbol because i think you're right i think they could do a fairly simple verification procedure that just said hey you want to prove who you are do this granted that maybe that's too much scale with the size of twitter's audience to do now i don't know maybe that's part of the problem and maybe they just need prioritization to say like well we need to go to the most famous accounts first uh but the fact is, people do see the check mark as a notability uh, item, and I think Twitter has decided that well, we can't change that, so we need to adapt our policy to it. Uh, but hey, y'all asked for transparency, <laughs> so here you go. <laughs> Let's talk about vinyl records, shall we? What? It's been a minute. All right. Uh, vinyl superior auto fidelity. You know, vinyl nerds will will certainly say that. Archival longevity compared to things like CDs or tape or MP3s. But the classic knock on the medium is it's vinyl. It can't boot an operating system. It's just (laughs) what it is. That was true until engineer Joseph Bogan turned a turntable to spin a vinyl recording of a 64 kilobyte bootable read-only RAM drive containing a modified free DOS kernel. The bootloader reads the disk image from the record through a cassette modem, which is then loaded into memory and then boots the system. Sure, the sound from the record conjures up memories of the worst AOL dial-up sounds. I don't know. I kind of like them myself, but you might have not. But if you need to run DOS like a hipster or, you know, a vinyl collector, you call yourself whatever you like, there's finally a solution for you. Yeah, I, I just prefer the, you know, the intimacy and the... Uh... <laughs> The warmth of running my OS on on vinyl. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, there, there. I love that this was done. Uh, there, there is no reason for this to be done other than it could be done. Uh, and uh, and in the in the spirit of having Peter Wells on the show, I'd like to say that Joseph Bogan is no Bogan. <laughs> Touche, sir. <laughs> I don't uh, yeah. even get it. Because uh, the Bogan's uh, Australian slang for an unrefined person, I suppose. Uh, I see. Yeah. yeah. Like a... Like a... Like a, like a <laughs> Hoosier or a hick. <laughs> like a Hoosier. Right. Yeah. A word that we all use quite often. <laughs> or, <laughs> hey, I've seen the movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good movie. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It, this is this is awesome. This is just one of those things. And of course, Wang Wang is, uh, which is, will be in our show notes if you want to read a little bit more in the article, is great at uncovering stuff like this. Yeah. I mean, the, the, and, and Tim in our Discord pointed out, this is, this is the equivalent of a program on cassette. Uh, and back in those days, there were programs put out on, on vinyl records. So uh, this is fantastic. I love it. All right. Let's check out the mailbag. Let's do it. Rob wrote in and said, I recently got a recommendation that was awesome, and I both jumped on and started digging into other possibilities. Here's the scene. There's an echo beside my bed. The alarm is set to play my local NPR station every morning, but I set the volume low to two because I only occasionally actually get up at that time. Later in the morning, I turn up the volume for my morning routine. Amazon's assistant offered 
out of the blue, and I was taken aback, to set the volume to that low level every morning so I don't get traumatized by Steve Inskeep at high volume at five in the morning for that first for that first uh, round. I couldn't say yes fast enough. Rob says, turns out they're turning up possibilities. <laughs> I get it. And I'm sure the accuracy is hit and miss early on, but I hadn't seen it coming, and that's very clever of them. I wonder if I can tell it to do this. I know. Because I have I have an issue with this as well. Eileen, when she cooks, plays Spotify, but it's too loud. Uh, and so she turns it down. But then when I go to listen to my flash briefing of the BBC News in the morning, it then is too low and I have to turn it back up. But she doesn't cook all the time. So we don't do it. It doesn't happen often enough mm. for it to catch on. I'd like, I, I bet I can. Yeah. I bet I can just tell it like, hey, can you do this? Huh. My problem it. is that I listen. So I've got my flash briefing set up to play NPR and then the BBC. Mm. And it's all sort of part of my, you know, mm-hmm. first I hear the weather, my lights yep. go on and then I get some news. The BBC is extremely low volume. Ah. So I start with something where I'm like, ah, you know, down, volume down, volume down. And then I'm like, ah, I'm struggling to hear the BBC stuff. Right. But that's all in one thing. So that's probably a separate issue altogether. But Rob, this is this is interesting. I I love it when my assistant, who happens to be Amazon most of the time at this point, is like, hey, do you want me to keep doing this? I'm I'm usually like, yeah, I do. <laughs> Thank you for asking. Also, I think we discovered if there's anyone working at BBC podcasting out there, uh, your flash briefing needs to be louder. Turn the volume up, please. (laughs) I want to hear your stuff. I ain't throwing stones because we've had the same problem on Daily Tech Headlines. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's good content. I just want to hear you. Well, if you've got feedback for us, we want to hear you as well. Feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com is where to send those emails. We also want to shout out our patrons at our master and grandmaster levels, including Scott Hepburn, Dale McKahey, and Allison Jobby. Also, big thanks to Peter Wells. Peter, it's so nice to have you on the show. And where can folks keep up with your work? Uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter. It's Peter Wells over there. And I am silly enough to have also started a daily tech news show uh, at thehelpdesk.com.au. Very that cool. is brave of you, my friend. Mm. Welcome. Welcome to my <laughs> world. Uh, go check it out, folks. It's good. Thehelpdesk.com.au. If you want an ad-free feed of DTNS, uh, support us on Patreon. You get your own personal RSS feed supported directly by you. You can find out more about that at dailytechnewsshow.com slash Patreon. We're also live Monday through Friday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 21.30 UTC. If you can join us live, we'd love to have you. Find out more and tell a friend. DailyTechNewsShow.com slash live. We'll be back tomorrow with Scott Johnson. Talk to you then. This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit FrogPants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation... 
Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.